1: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing.
3: NASCAR, IndyCar, Sports Cars, and Formula One. This is the Final
2: Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Saki.
4: And welcome back to the final inspection show. Steve Zaski, along with post pipe bomb jumper Lasky. Like to thank our friends at the legendary Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs for supporting the show. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. It is from beautiful Pewaukee, Wisconsin, Larry Janisek. How are you doing, sir?
5: Uh really good,
4: Steve. But actually I'm uh in beautiful Merton,
5: Wisconsin. Wow. At my granddaughter's uh, soccer game. Ah, and I wanted good. to start I wanted to start with this. Uh
4: Indiana, that's it. That's oh, the end dude, of my singing career. <laughs> so. And, uh, of course, it is Indy 500 weekend, and we're celebrating all things. Indianapolis uh, this this week on the final inspection show. And uh, what's your first question you have for me, sir? Well, Steve, uh, there's been a lot of talk about how
5: strange is it to have the Indy 500 in August. And this week, I was blown away when I saw in the green sheet of the Milwaukee Journal where they have a column in there about uh, this day in history. And there was a big anniversary this week at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Do you have any idea what it was? And it goes back quite a while.
4: Yeah, I believe what you're talking about is the opening weekend at Indianapolis in 1909.
5: You are right on the money, buddy.
4: Yeah, it was actually kind of like almost like a speed fest uh, they had in 1909 uh, in which uh, I believe they had uh, the actual first race, if I recall correctly, it was actually a balloon race was held at the Indianapolis Speedway. And they they had uh, like some motorcycle races and car races and most of these were like little sprint races, hmm. you know, five, ten laps and whatnot. And uh, they had them all through the weekend. And it wasn't wasn't the most popular thing. It wasn't as big as they thought. And it's eventually where they came up with the idea, you know, maybe we should just have kind of like one big huge event yearly at the speedway. Yep, the uh,
5: information that was shown in the paper was the first. Uh, uh, auto race at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and the winner was Lewis Schwitzer's S C H W I T Z E R, yep. who drove a Stoddard Dayton touring car twice around the track at an average speed of fifty-seven point four miles an hour.
3: But yeah, that name should
5: ring a bell with you, yes, Schwitzer or Schwister S C H yeah. W I T Z E R, because I believe. There's that uh, that company is still in existence in indianapolis and they present the award for uh engineering something new in engineering every year
4: uh, and this year it went to
5: the uh windscreen
4: the louis schweitzer award yes every year yes. uh yes. for a new uh, a new innovation or something in indycar racing and there's been a lot of them throughout, like one year was the fuel cell, uh, and another year was maybe a particular car, a notable car, whether it was like the Chaparral car, race car, or something like that, or a certain turbocharger or whatever, innovation. And, went, and this year, yeah, I went to, uh, for the for the very innovative uh, aero windscreen that they, they use in uh, IndyCar racing now. Sounds good.
5: Okay, my next question is, for the Indy 500, what was the furthest back the winner started from?
4: Well, for many, for many many years, it was 28th, and I believe that was Louis Meyer uh, back in the day. I want to say, I think it was, uh, might have been 28th in 1928, if I recall. And uh, and then it was Rutherford. I know started from 25th in 1974. And then, uh, but I believe somebody had started um, further back than that since then. Though, see, and this is where I, you know, newer newer stuff. You know, it's the old stuff that stays with you, and the newer stuff that goes away. But I want to say I know for many many years it was I believe Louis Meyer 28th in 1928. Well,
5: in all the information I found, uh, that's correct. Louis Meyer in 1936 and also uh, Ray Haroon in, in 1911, the first Indy 500.
4: They both started 28th. Oh, they did? And I, oh, I, I believe that is round. still the previous. Oh, it is? Okay. Cause, yep. um, oh, you know where I'm getting confused? Okay. Uh, uh, 1981. Uh, Mario Andretti started 32nd. And for, for those who may not know, for about three months, Mario Andretti was the 1981 Indianapolis 500 champion. And uh, we won't even get into that because, it obviously, since I'm an Uncle Bobby fan, I don't want to get into that. But uh, look it up on Wikipedia, the 1981 Indianapolis uh, 500. All right, what do you got for the that. final one here?
5: Okay. Okay. What car number has won the Indianapolis 500 the most times? Oh,
4: boy. It used to be, and it might still be number three. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It is number It is still number three. Yes. Yeah. You know how many times number three has won? I do not. Eleven times. Uh, you let's got see. a minute? I can name. I see. Let's see. Well, I can go backwards. I can go, I know Rick, I think, no, not Rick Mears. I know Bobby Unzer in 81, Rutherford in 74, uh, Roger Ward in 62. Um, One of the Blue Crown cars, I believe. Uh, Let's see, going through the 80s. Uh, you, you can help me out, though. 1919,
5: Howdy, Wilcox. 1948, Maury Rose. That would have been the blue crown car, I believe. 62, Roger Ward. 68, Bobby Unser. 74, Johnny Rutherford. 81, Bobby Unser. 86, Bobby Rahal. 91, Rick Mears. 92, Al Unser Jr. 2002 and 2009, Elio Castroneves.
4: Oh, very good. So yeah, th- well, yeah, it's number three, and then of course one of the more iconic ones uh, people always re- think about is '98, though, and that's with uh, Troy Rutman in '52, Parnelli in '5 or '63, and then more recently uh, Weldon in 2011 and uh, Rossi in 2016. So be interesting yep, to see then, if Marco uh, can bring it into victory lane this year. Marco yeah, and yeah. Got
5: time for a quickie? Sure. What's the most ti- times led by a driver in a single Indy 500?
4: Most, most times? times led. Pardon me? Like, in, like most individual different times? No, just in one race. One race. Oh, uh, Billy Arnold, 198 laps. No, no. no, no. This is oh. the most
5: times led, not
4: laps. Oh, like it, like all through his career? No, no, in one race. Oh, in one race. I have no idea. Stumped me on that one. This
5: this one is really interesting. Fifteen times in 2013, and the thing that's really surprising is both Marco Andretti and Tony Canaan led fifteen times in that race.
4: Wow. That was a very good race, too. That's one of the more spectacular races, too, Uh, especially when it came to uh, lead changes and whatnot. Well, Larry, we certainly appreciate you taking time out. Uh, your busy schedule, uh, being at soccer games and whatnot today, Enjoy the nice weather, and enjoy the race tomorrow. Who who do you got for nice. a winner?
5: Uh, Who's your I pick? Think Dixon? I think Scott Dixon. Dixon.
4: Going with the chalk, huh? All yeah. right, not a yeah. problem. Thank All right, well, thank you, th- thank you. Appreciate it. Enjoy the race and, tomorrow. Uh, All right, thank you. Well, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, uh, Jeff and I will have our predictions for the final inspection coming up next.
2: This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan.
4: And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Straightway in Union Grove, along with our friends at David Hobbs Honda, Steve Zotky, along with the Polish Pipe Bomb. Jeffrey, how are you doing today?
6: Oh, man, if I was any better, it'd be illegal. Steve, let me ask you one quick question here. Uh, we just heard the uh, commercial uh, promo for uh, Faith in the Zone, fantastic program Mike McGivern does uh, every Sunday on these fine airwaves. Has, uh, have you ever been invited to be a guest on faith in the zone steve because i know i haven't
4: <laughs> no i have not i have though uh i have provided guests for faith in the zone from the world of auto racing
6: yeah i tried uh to you know uh get him hooked up with uh michael mcdowell because i know he's a big uh, uh jesus guy and all that but uh but yeah, personally I've I've never been invited. It, it, it's kind of kind of bugging me. I I don't know. Maybe it's all the slayer shirts. I don't, I don't know.
4: It could it could be yeah. It could be your 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 uh, your scary wardrobe. So <laughs> the the affinity for uh black t-shirts that that's that could also be it too. So uh, we have racing this weekend, of course, coming from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the Indianapolis 500, and we got a doubleheader this weekend at the Monster Mile at Dover. And uh, Jeff and I are going to go over our predictions here. Um, what do we have? Uh, you got two. You are we just going to pick one for both races, or you want to go two, two by two, or?
6: Well, I've got a fa- you know uh, not a favorite, but you know my pick, and then I've got a a long shot pick sure. on. uh on both Indy and Dover for today. Okay. Uh, Dover for tomorrow's tough because a lot of it's gonna the starting position and everything. A lot of it's gonna depend on how it, the race plays out today. But uh, I'm, so I've only got a winner for the Cup Series race for tomorrow. What do you have? Uh, today for the Indy 500, I gotta pick my boy Team Penske. Give me Will Power for the win. Right now his odds are plus 1200. Uh, so I think, uh, that's, uh, that's a fairly decent investment. And, um, I, th- I think he's gonna capture the checkered flag for a long shot. I'm gonna go with Colton Herta. I like his odds. He's at plus 2000. So, uh, there's definitely some money to be made there if he crosses the finish line, uh, first. But, uh, yeah, power for the win. Colton Herta is my long shot.
4: Yeah, you're not gonna make much money on this one as uh, Scott Dixon is the favorite and is the money guy. Uh, if you don't want to lose your money, go with Scott Scott Dixon. However, my my heart pick or the guy who I, I think is, is a very good chance, just because he's been so consistently strong all all month, or I should say all week, and then uh, last week or uh, on Friday in carb, carb day practice, he actually he, as he he likes to say, we found out what we don't want to do. And these are mistakes that we're not going to make uh, Sunday during the race. So that actually, and I've 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 heard that happen before, where they actually kind of got their mistakes out of the way in carb day. You know, you've seen oh my God, they had awful carb day. What and then they actually go out and kick kick butt in the race. So uh, I do like Marco Andretti's chances. I think this is his best chance to win the race since 2006 when he got nipped at the line by uh, Sam Hornish. So uh, uh, the Dixon is the favorite, but uh, I think Marco will be right there. Uh, for Dover, uh, the, the kid to watch out for uh, is uh, Alex Bowman. Alex Bowman's run very well at Dover, especially last year. And Hendrick winning last week with Chase Elliott. He might be on a bit of an upswing, but, uh, he likes this track. So I like Alex Bowman as, uh, for Dover.
6: All right. I'm, I'm going all Penske. Uh, give me Brad Keselowski today at Dover. And, uh, you know how amazing and just ironic if, uh, Penske finds victory lane in two races in the same day and neither race allows fans. And so he would, uh, celebrate and uh, be uh, looking at cashing those checks while sitting on the couch.
4: <laughs> we got a full a full show today coming up. Uh, coming up right in just a moment here, we're going to hear from uh, the Indy 500 poll Marco Andretti. Interesting, uh, of, uh, from earlier today, uh, was able to grab some audio. Uh, and then uh, also later in the next two segments, uh, some really interesting conversations on on where the sport is going, not only through this pandemic, but over the next couple of years, uh, especially in regards to a third engine manufacturer, which will... Uh, hopefully, be occurring in the near future. We'll be hearing from Jay Fry, Mark Miles, and Doug Bulls coming up in the in the next two segments after the Mark Landretti. But not only that, but after the Bucks game, keep it can, keep tuning into the 105.7 FM The Fan. Sparky will bring you up with the uh, pick and Save uh, stories, Pro Hope's post game show, and then don't forget uh, with Tim Allen with the Bayview Shade and Blind post game show after the Brewer game. So uh, lots of content coming up on the yeah, radio. Don't turn- off your radio keep it keep it tuned in and uh very exciting uh, game happening now too so we'll get you up uh, up to date on no the latest so uh coming up now uh, let's hear nice, from Marco Andretti now uh from the indianapolis motor speedway from earlier today
1: uh an awesome problem to have um it's uh it's just been a whirlwind the way this whole thing started i mean uh, the car just rolled off so fast honda brought it in qual trim Uh, U.S. Concrete boys put together a heck of a machine and um, yeah I mean every time out the car was just so good, so good and and uh, yeah I mean it's busy but not busy you know as everybody's been saying we miss the fans so it's a bit of a double-edged sword from there. I think one one of the things that we highlighted on the broadcast but also have reflected on many times is this group, your peers but also your competitors, I don't think I've ever seen a response to a result like you got, and they were genuinely, sincerely happy for you. How did, how did that make you feel? Uh, to quote Connor, that's pretty much the coolest thing ever. Um, <laughs> it, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it just made me, you know, so humbled by it, you know, and uh, I, I have the utmost respect for, for all you guys. I have great friends in the paddock, and um, yeah, it was, it was so cool um, to be able to, you know, those are the guys that, you know, they're nice to me that day, but I don't know about tomorrow, so we'll, we'll have to see. It'll be fun. So if leading the field to green, isn't going to be surreal enough. You got the beautiful pace car ahead of you, the Corvette Stingray. Ahead of the Corvette Stingray is going to be granddad and dad in the Honda two-seater. That's pretty special. It's special, but even if I'm on pole, I still start behind these guys. I mean, it's <laughs> unbelievable. It's, uh, no, I think it's going to be pretty cool. It's, um, you know, I think John's going to be riding with us. I think he has so far this, this uh, week and month. So uh, we're going to try to keep this whirlwind going. So, we do have a question here uh, from the fans, or from a fan. Uh, looking back on uh, not only as your time here as a driver, what are your favorite memories at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and does last Sunday make the cut? I'll say, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, memories, I mean, as far back as I can remember. Um, obviously, our last poll as a family here, I was two months old, so my, my brain doesn't remember that far, but I remember the old Speedway Motel, I remember, uh, trying to do my own lap times around there while listening to the announcers and we had four family members in the race at that time and but yeah i think last sunday probably announcers and we had four family members in the race at that time and but yeah i think last sunday probably takes the cake for me soak it in enjoy it and enjoy tomorrow as well thank you best of luck marco andretti
7: Action on AM 1250, 105.7 FM, The Fan. Don't forget, use that radio.com app. You use that Rewind feature and go back at anything you may have missed Steve Zaki talking about earlier in the show. Steve Sparky, Fiverr here. Bucks at halftime with the Orlando Magic, and it's a butt-kicking. It's so much of a butt-kicking. Giannis, 21 points, 8 of 8 from the field, 5 boards, 4 assists. Uh, Bucks up uh, by about almost 30 points at this point. So we'll be on after the game with the pick and save. Pro Hoops post-game show driven by Mercedes-Benz of Milwaukee North. Make sure to tune in for that. Time now to uh, go to a presser uh, from earlier today, uh, Indy 500, the first uh, owned and ran by Penske Entertainment. And Mark Miles, Jay Fry, and Doug Bowles all spoke earlier today.
2: Doug, why don't I take the first part of that and you take the second? Um, so it, it's not a secret, Bob. We, we've we tried to be very transparent about it. Um we had to be flexible we had to plan all kinds of different scenarios Um, there was a point in time you remember way back when the when the governor announced the five stages and the hope was that the state would be at stage five um in early july and under the guidelines at that time for stage five we could have done the race as we normally did do Mm -hmm. you know then 50 percent um, we, we, we knew at that point in time that we were going to have to make uh, accommodations. We spent, uh, we, we contacted every one of our ticket customers, the people who buy the tickets, uh, not that many weeks ago, kind of the, the last available date to say, what do you want in the way of your tickets? And the, the, they uh, were allowed or asked to, to remake their order from nothing and we'll take a credit for everything next year. Do I want them all? And at that point, it was pretty clear that we could meet two goals, really. One was um, we could accommodate the requests of all our ticket customers at the same time that we could put a 25% cap on attendance as a percentage of the capacity of the Speedway. So that's how we got to there. And throughout this whole period, just constant's the wrong word, but very, very frequent in-depth conversations and discussions with the city and state public health authorities. Um, and, and those are both at the boards of health city and state and in the mayor's office and the governor's office. Um, and, and we made it clear to them from the first conversations and we tried to make it clear publicly that we could have the best 88 page plan imaginable that and we reviewed it with so many experts and so many local public health experts. Nobody had anything to add, they felt like we had really thought of everything under these circumstances. We could have that kind of quality plan with all the right inputs and the confidence that we could execute it. But if the public health situation in general was not at a place where it made sense to go forward with fans, then we wouldn't do it. I think people wanna hear that somebody told us no. That wouldn't be correct. Um, we, We understood exactly where the public health metrics were we understood what, what public health authorities were saying, for example, to schools. You know, a 5% positivity rate is a pretty universally understood kind of threshold for whether or not schools uh, should should welcome kids back in person. Um, all those things were went into it. Um, and we got to the place where we couldn't wait any longer. We were, what, a week or so from beginning to have cars on track. And at that point we had to make a decision i think it was clearly the right one sitting here today some of the metrics are slightly improved but not where they need to be and so uh you know i think the the realities on the ground with respect to public health made the decision and it it was just clear to us what the right decision was and i think both the city and the state were as disappointed as we were not to be able to welcome fans but as but, but appreciative of, of the call that got made at the end.
0: Yeah, and, and, I, and just to add to, to, to Mark- Doug,
2: if you could talk about the emotional
0: Yeah, a- absolutely. You know, I, and, and I guess to start, I'll, I'll back up to March 26th, when we made the decision to move the race from May 24th to August 23rd. When we did that, we felt like those five months were gonna give us the best opportunity for uh, our community, our state, the country to figure out how to manage through this COVID pandemic and and the metrics and uh, early June we made a this de- made a decision to run the uh, Brickyard 400 weekend without fans. Uh, later in June we made that decision to try and be at 50 percent for the Indy 500 and ultimately um, when we moved into July and had our 25 percent in July and then just a few weeks ago when we made a decision to run without fans. It has been an emotional roller coaster for everybody here at the Speedway. Our ticketing team has worked virtually every day um, since the beginning of June. Uh, and, and I mean that every day, Saturdays, Sundays, managing through how do we take care of our ticket customers? How do we reseat the entire venue at 50%? How do we reseat the entire venue at 25%? It has been um, a taxing time for all of us. And at the same time, we've all been worried about our customer because it is the customer makes the Indy 500 what it is. And we are doing trying to do the best we can for them. Um, but without the leadership of Roger Penske, I don't know how we would have gotten through this. Every time Roger Penske has been here, his attitude has been nothing but positive and focused on managing through this in a way uh, that, that makes the Indianapolis 500 better when we get through this and makes the experience better for our fans getting through it. His, his positivity, his reinforcement to the team, whether it's walking around the building and talking to staff and encouraging him, his availability to all of us virtually 24 hours a day to help solve through little problems and big problems that didn't matter. Um, to have an emotional leader uh, like Roger Pinsky through this time frame has been a blessing. And I know that Mark and Jay and I have all learned uh, from Roger uh, how to attack some of these things. And it's been one of those moments, while really difficult, um, heartbreaking, is probably the best way I can put it, uh, the big positive out of that is the opportunity to see a great leader. Uh, like Roger Pinsky help walk us through a really, really difficult time with an attitude that you just can't believe.
2: Thank you, gentlemen.
0: Thanks Bob. All right, next we're going to go to Tim Haraney. Tim, go ahead.
8: Thanks very much, Kate. Really appreciate that. Uh, thanks very much guys for taking the time to do this. Uh, my first question is for Jay. Uh, Jay, just wanted to talk to you a bit about the future of IndyCar and in terms of the engine side of things. Um, this current power unit seems to have not run its course, but it seems to have already kind of maxed out at its potential. Uh, Honda has said they don't want to stop gap for engine development. Uh, they want to go straight into hybrid. Uh, just want to get your thoughts on that.
3: Well, thank you, Tim. Um, we've went, you know, a few years ago, we came up with our five-year plan, which was the AK-18 in 2018. Um, this year was the screen. Uh, this year, we actually did some more horsepower with the 1.5 boost for qualifying. So we've. this has always been part of the progression of the plan, right? So we did the car, the arrow screen for the safety, and now we've, you know, what's next with the engine? So um, a year or so ago, we announced our intentions of what was going to happen. Since then, obviously, what's all going on in the world with the COVID and uh, the pandemic, Um, you know, everybody was shut down for two or three months earlier this year. So what does that look like? Um, we're in constant communications with both our manufacturers. Um, I think it's every, you know, we have every intention of going forward. Like we've always said we would, um, the timing of that, we're not exactly sure how that's going to look again, going forward because of all what's happened. Uh, there's still companies, suppliers and vendors that are not up, you know, fully up to speed yet, you know, um, with, you know, different places in the world and different countries, um, again. How do you put it all together? How does it make the most sense? Obviously, the teams are a big part of this too. How does it affect the teams from an economic perspective? Because economics matter, you know, the series into the teams. Um, some of the things we've already done has um, I think helped the economics, again, from the paddock and, and with, the, with the manufacturer partners too. So. We're, it's a big puzzle, and um, you know, we just got to see how it's going to look over the next month or two about what it looks like going forward. But every intention of increasing horsepower, every every intention of the 2.4, um, again, just how does that timeline move or does it move? I mean, it might not have to, um, but certainly at this point, we're, we're cautious about moving forward and when because of the economics and because of the, really just the supply chain.
8: Understood. Thanks very much, Jay, for answering that. Really appreciate it. Uh, my next question was for uh, Mark. Uh, hi, Mark. Thanks very much for for doing this and taking the time out of your day. Um, two questions for you. Uh, my first one is, is about uh, that positive momentum you were talking about with uh, the races being on NBC and viewership being up, even with the amount of races being down. How do you kind of keep that positive momentum going uh, once the wintertime kind of hits? Is it more racing, or are you looking at doing other things?
2: Well, we got a little less off time as currently scheduled because uh, the championship will conclude about a month later. Um, by the way, we hope to put out the 2021 schedule. And we, we usually want it out by the time the, the current year's uh, championship concludes, maybe a little before that. I think that's about what we could expect, I hope, uh, by the end of September. Um, as things become clearer for the promoters but um, I think we'll do what we do we'll, we're thinking about whether there's some more racing that that did well definitely did well um, NBC appreciated there was uptick uptake of it internationally as well and I think the drivers really got into it so you, you might see some more of that and I think we just get better at being promoters right and being better on social media the, the drivers are getting better at it they're more accessible and out there with with our fans and their fans so i'm not sure there's like a a big strategy change uh in that off season but it'll be a little shorter than normal and everybody will be very eager hopefully with some sense of normalcy to get back on the track by february
8: so a rumor hit
7: all right, there you go. It's Final Inspection here on AM 1250 105.7 FM, The Fan. We will hear more of this press conference. Uh, again, anytime Jay Fry talks for IndyCar, you want to listen. He's a pretty smart dude. Uh, and Penske, first run here uh, at the Indianapolis 500, thought they were going to have fans. That's what he had said. We're not running the Indy 500 unless we have fans. And then he decided, well, maybe that's not so smart. So now they're not going to have fans, and uh, they're going to take that one in the pocketbook at the end of the day. Uh, And as you just heard them say, they're going to try and get the schedule out for next year, which is a big deal, uh, before the end of this season here in the next month. Plus, talking about iRacing again, it'll be interesting to hear if NASCAR does the same thing as what they're talking about doing. So in the wintertime, when these guys aren't racing at racetracks, will they try to do some of that innovative E-League-type racing, Uh, you know, video game-style racing? Uh, instead of having a dead period. So will these drivers now essentially not get any off time and be asked to do this video game racing uh, once a week throughout the winter months and then you know get it on TV and make some more TV revenue for the sport? Not a bad idea. I, I can't imagine it takes that much time out of uh, a person's week. They would still get the rest of the week to do whatever they'd like to do, obviously. So we'll have to wait and see how this whole thing plays out. We'll get back to more of this press conference from Indianapolis concerning the Indianapolis 500 and the state of IndyCar. Coming up next, it's final Inspection presented to you by Great Lakes Dragway Speedway. Lots of fun activities going on this weekend. Check out greatlakesdragaway.com for all those fun events going on this weekend. They're down in Union Grove. And of course, David Hobbs Honda, another five sponsor of this show. Back after this on The Fan. On AM 1250 1057 FM, the fan. Use that radio.com app. You can stream us anywhere that you are. So uh, if you're going down to Indy, let's say for the 500 at some point, and you want to stream Steve Zocchi's final inspection show, uh, you can do that as well while you're down in Indianapolis leading up to Indy 500 of that weekend. And speaking of the Indianapolis 500, we'll bring you more of this press conference that we had uh, prior to the break. Uh, talking for Penske Entertainment, Mark Miles, Jay Fry, who I love, uh, and Doug Bowles, those three guys uh, all talking. And the next question up for all three of them was, was something that Steve Zaki mentioned earlier in the show, and that is uh, the chance of a third motor uh, coming to the IndyCar Series. With all due respect, I've heard this so many times over the last decade of, Oh, we're going to get a third engine manufacturer. Oh, it's going to happen now. Okay, and the, the speculative one that everybody is talking about is Ferrari. Now, let me f- be the first one to say, if IndyCar lands Ferrari, it could be a huge game-changer for the IndyCar series. A Huge infusion of money, huge infusion probably of recognition around the world if Ferrari gets involved uh, in the IndyCar series. It would be a huge gift for Roger Penske for certain, and that was a question that was brought up. Uh, all of these rumors about Ferrari possibly coming to IndyCar.
3: Yeah, well, well thank you. Um to go back to that last question too I, if I could add to that a little bit too so from any car perspective we've had a 50 page covid plan document that we've ran with you know to this point all year so we've had uh, the first six races that we've plugged and played this plan it's been specific to all the venues we went to um, I just also want to thank our paddock because they've completely bought into everything we're doing and how we're doing it the process we're doing it um, you know the goal was to make sure that we got to the Indianapolis 500 and we delivered a healthy paddock you know that for this coming weekend, and I think we've we've really done that. And again, that's uh, a kudos to all our teams and drivers and uh, promoter partners and everybody that's followed the guidelines and have uh, really bought into the process and how we're doing things. So, as Mark mentioned and Doug mentioned, this is something we can plug and play for a long time. I think we've got it down pretty good. We understand how it works. Um, we'll do the same kind of procedures next week at Gateway. So, you know, it can be done. You know, for however long it needs to be done. Um, in regards to the OEMs. Um, we couldn't be more proud of the two that we have. You know, Han and Chevrolet are great partners. Um, you saw the competition that goes on at the racetrack every day, every week. Um, obviously, we've said from, you know, or we've said for a long time now that a third is very important. Um, it falls into that kind of overall plan of having three manufacturers, eight cars apiece, 24, you know, full-time teams to kind of organically grow from there. Um, we're having conversations with numerous you know, manufacturers. Um, we're, you know, optimistic. Again, like mentioned earlier, there's a lot of things in the world that have changed or slowed or moved or whatever. Um, how that's going to be navigated, how that's going to look is obviously very fluid. Um, but I think they, that lots of them like what we're doing. Lots of them like the direction we're going. Um, you know, with Roger coming in and, and Bud and the whole Penske group, it's added a whole other huge element that we didn't have before. Um, so we're quite optimistic about the future with the OEM partner. Excellent. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it.
8: Thanks Maury. All right, next we're going to go to Eric Smith from race review online Eric, Go ahead. Yeah, thanks, Kate. Um, yeah, this questions for really three of you. Um, with the rising speeds we saw on fast Friday. Do you think the speed factor contributed
2: to some of the, the higher TV numbers we saw last weekend. Well, I would, I don't know that I can say that per se, but I think it's part of our brand and part of our IndyCar story, and especially here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Growing up in Indianapolis as a kid and hearing Tom Carnegie say a new track record, is, you know, I, I can hear the voice still. And, um, and so that excitement and that daring is part of this brand. And, uh, and I do think our broadcasters and, and IMS Productions are doing a great job of showing the speed. You can't see those cars going around that track and not realize they're flying. And so um, it is part of what we are. And I think the steady, safe progression of speed uh, is, is part of our future as well. And I think it's very attractive to young people and and uh, as well as our existing fans.
8: And for Jay, yeah, I agree, I agree okay. with,
2: Yeah.
0: I was going to say, I agree with Mark. Um, I think it's hard to tell, but, but that is definitely part of our brand. And as, uh, as the promoter of the Indianapolis 500, I was pretty excited to see so many drivers uh, over 230 miles an hour. I know if the fans were here, when, when cars run over 230 miles an hour, that's a big deal. And I think where that speed helps us, especially the way that we've managed through it in a, in a safe way uh, with, alongside IndyCar, I think as that speed increases, I do think that impacts the number of people who, who come out on pole day because there's just something exciting about seeing uh, what kind of magic those race cars ca- drivers can do in those cars. And that magic is defined by the, by the speed.
7: There you go. Press conference from Indy as we get ready for the Indianapolis 500. Steve Zaki returns next Saturday from noon until 2. Final inspection again presented to you by Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove and David Hobbs Honda. Thanks for tuning in today. Steve Sparky Pfeiffer here. We'll talk to you in just a little bit. 324 to go in the third quarter. Bucks up 89.62 over the Magic. We'll have the Pick and say Pro, Pro Hoops postgame show. Immediately following that one here on The Fan. Toodles!